uh, in the midst, uh, we find ourselves surrounded by darkness, right? Even when we find ourselves surrounded by darkness, we can find hope. We can find hope, right? Because, friends, there's hope in the dark. There's hope in the dark. And that's what I want to leave you this morning with that, that, that idea that, that even though the world may be going crazy, uh, things have been going out, getting out of hand, that we as believers uh, can trust that there is hope even in the darkness. This message is centered around the fact that believing God is good when life is not. Believing God is good when life is not. And that's, that's super important for us as believers. It's super important for us to leave here knowing and understanding that, right? That, that though we find ourselves in some dire situations and circumstances, right? Not just for us in this city, not just for our community, not just for the state, but not just for this country, but around the world, believing God is good even when life is not. Now, I believe that if I was to go around and ask anyone in particular to give me one word of, uh, to describe what they're feeling over the last several weeks uh, due to this, this, this virus, right, we would come up with there's fear, there's anxiety, there's hopelessness, there is, is you, you know, you there's no peace, right? And so it is real, church. It is real. These are real feelings. These are real emotions, right, that people are experiencing today because of this virus. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. I want to speak into that. And I want to, to bring the minor prophet Habakkuk into this, to this message. Habakkuk is a, is a minor prophet in the Old Testament that lived uh, and prophesied about uh, a little bit over 600 uh, years before Christ, 600 B.C., right? And he was different in the way that he ministered and handled uh, his ministry, his calling. Uh, most prophets would speak on behalf of God, right? Things like uh, they would go say, God says this. This is what God says you should be doing. This is how, uh, this is what God wants of you. But Habakkuk, he was different, right? And, and he, he, he handled his calling a little bit different. He spoke to God on behalf of the people. He spoke to God on behalf of the people. And what he said to God was raw, what he said to God was real and full of emotion, right? Basically, he was telling God, man, I don't like what you're doing here. I don't like what you're doing here. I wish you did something else, right? It feels like life is not fair. And so he was real and he was frank with God, right? Um, so let me quickly recap the first two chapters in the book of Habakkuk, right? Chapter one, this chapter is... Uh, is about what so many of us do, right? Habakkuk finds himself wondering why he sees things with his eyes. The things that he sees with his eyes is so different than what he believes in his heart. Ever been there before? The things that you are physically seeing with your own eyes doesn't add up, doesn't line up with what your heart is trying and believing, right? Why is it so often that we, uh, why is it so often that we believe that God can do something 
right? We, we think that he will, and then he doesn't. He doesn't. And so Habakkuk finds himself wondering, God, what gives? What, what, what's, what's not happening here? Right? Why, why does life seem so unfair right now? In chapter 2, after the wondering stage, chapter 2 is about the waiting. Habakkuk is asking God, where are you, God? Where are you? And God answers him. And he answers him by saying, man, I'm about to do something ridiculous in your life. I'm about to do something incredible, something that's just going to blow your socks off, right? You won't even believe what I'm going to do, right? And at this point, Habakkuk is like, oh, yeah, my God is going to come through. My God is going to do what I've been asking him to do. I cannot wait. I can't, you're going to do it, God. You're going to do it. Finally, you've, you've, been, you've answered my prayers. Here, he's, he's going to come through, folks. He's going he's gonna to do it. He's, I can't wait to see what happens. How many of you have been there before as well? You've been asking God, man, God, I need you to come through in this. I need you to answer this, man. I need you to, you know, I need your favor to come on now, right? And then you're, you're at that point where like, oh, my God, God's going to do it. He's going to do it. Ooh, Shama. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it, right? But then God tells Habakkuk, no, actually, I'm going to raise up your enemies, the Babylonians, and, and they're going to destroy you. Wait, wait, time out. Wait, what did you say again? Like we we were, a few minutes ago we were we were about to hook me up. A few minutes ago you were about to answer my prayers. A few minutes ago you were about to to rain down your favor, your blessing. You were gonna answer my prayers, and now what you're saying doesn't make any sense to me. What you're saying it doesn't add up. It doesn't line up with what I what what what, I, what I'm thinking here. Now that's, can you can you say that again? Because it doesn't doesn't add up. That moment when you believe that God can do something when you think that God will do something and, and he doesn't, then what? Where do you go from there? What do you do? In chapter two, Habakkuk is waiting on his promise from God to come true. And some of you find yourselves today waiting on God. You're in the same position, waiting on God to answer your prayers. You're in this waiting zone. God, when are you going to hear and answer my prayers? God, when are you going to hook me up? When are you going to, to answer, right? When is your favor going to come down and bless me? When are you going to take care of these, these situations that I got going on? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says this, it, If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. <laughs> There's a word there that I don't like. It says wait. I don't like the waiting part, God. Wait patiently. Wait patiently. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Here's the thing, God, what, folks, that when it's not God's time, you can't force it. You cannot force it. You can't just make it into, make God do something that it's not in his timing. But man, when it is his timing, 
It says, as you continue in the scripture, it says, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. It will not be delayed. Though there's waiting, there's a waiting period to take place. Chill. It will not be delayed. It will come into place. So chapter 2 is all about the waiting. So we talked about the wondering in chapter 1, the waiting in chapter 2. And now in chapter 3, is a short book, only three chapters. In chapter 3, there seems to be a change in his tone. If you read all of 1 and 2 and all the way up to the very last verse in chapter 2, you see Habakkuk's angst, his anxiety, right? His agony, this kind of, why are you not doing what, what I want you to do, God? Why are you not doing what I want you to do? Some of you may feel that way right now, about life right now. God, why are you not doing what I want you to do? Can you not see what's going on? Can you not see what's going on in my community? Can you not see what's going on in my home? Can you not see what's going on in this world? God, why are you not answering my prayers? Lord, why are you not stepping in and taking care of this virus? Why are you not stepping in and and bringing peace to this chaos, to this anxiety? At the end of chapter 2, the very last verse, Habakkuk says, man, I'm confused. I'm I'm, I'm wondering. I'm doubting. And, and, And then he says this, which is so key, which is what I want you to get today. He says, but the In the midst of how I'm feeling, in the midst of what I'm seeing with my eyes, in the midst of what I'm hearing in the news, in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this anxiety, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of of this hopelessness, but the Lord. He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. But the Lord is in his holy temple, friends. God is still on the throne. I want to tell you this morning, yes, there's chaos in this world. We see it in the news. We see it all around us. We hear it. We're probably victims of it right now. But God is still seated on the throne. And then he says, let all the earth be silent before him. Let all the earth be silent before him. It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit like the psalm that says, sometimes you just have to, to be still and know he is God. Ever heard that one? Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that I am who I, who I say I am. Even though I'm hurting God. Even though I'm confused, God, even though it doesn't add up, it doesn't make sense, that, that I, I don't understand, God is still on the throne, church. Then in chapter 3 suggests that there's a kind of a reset, right? Verse 1, uh, in verse 1, there, there, that, that you... Uh, you probably just read it and you, you don't pay attention too much of it, but there's a word in there that I want you to, to highlight, right? In verse 1, um, it says, in Habakkuk 3, it says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shijinoth. 
Let's clarify that. I wasn't cursing. That's not a curse word, right? Just in case you go put it out there, right? Shijinoth is plural for the word Shijion. Shijion is actually a word used only one time uh, in the Bible, and that's used in Psalm 7. Shijinoth is also only used one time, and it's used in this scripture, Habakkuk 3, verse 1. Now, these words, we don't use it a whole lot, right? We don't use it a whole lot. But what we do know of this word is that they are uh, directions on how we are to sing a song or a psalm. It's a musical term that's instructing a congregation of people on how you are to sing. For example, I might say, what i like for you to do in this next worship song, right, I want you to sing it as a love song unto God, a ballad, right? And so we take out some instruments and we, we change the tone, and now you're singing it in this ballad, this soft-spoken type of love song, right? Or I might say, hey, can you sing that song with a, a little bit of jazz, right? So we, we start flaring it up a little bit and we, we bump it up and we, we're singing now this song with a jazz flair to it. Or, or maybe I might ask you, hey, can you sing that with a little hip-hop passion behind it, you know? And then you might get up and you might start, you know... <clears throat> You might just start dancing, right? You get where I'm going with it? This is a way, a form of how to sing the song. And so Shijinoth means to sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance. It means wild, passionate singing with rapid changes of rhythm. It means high-spirited praise, vigorous enthusiasm as opposed to, yeah, I want you to just sing a song like this, yeah. Yeah, this is in the song. No, there's there's something that needs to build up, but it needs to swell up inside of your chest, and you need to proclaim it and say it loud, right, with a passion. One article I read said, uh, um, "It's not a whiny cry in the in the beer ballad type of song, type of way, right? It's like not like." Oh, she loves me, loves me. Now, that's not what Shijinoff means, right? It's a whole different thing. Another article uh, uh, said that it's a praise punctuated with exclamation marks, right? I love that. It's praise punctuated with exclamation marks. Now, what I want you to understand about Habakkuk in chapter 3 is that he's doing this in full body, in, in he's, he's doing this all in, this exuberant worship to God before God did what he wanted God to do. Did you catch that? He is declaring, he is singing this with an ultimate passion and exuberance in his spirit even before God has done what he is asking God to do. Sometimes the most passionate, the most authentic praise is actually the praise, right? The praise before the provision. Sometimes the realest passion, the the heartfelt ones are the ones where, where you're asking God and you're believing God to do something and you're praising God before he is even answered. It's praise that is simply based on faith. It's praising God, not for the what, but for the who. 
It's not for the what you have done for me lately, right? It's not that. It's, it's not for the what I think you're going to do. This is just praise for who you are, for your character, for your nature, for your goodness, for your glory. It's praise for the who and not praise for the what. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? It's Shijanoth. It's praise before anything happens. Have you ever done that? Have you ever praised God before anything transpired, before he moved on your behalf, before he answered your prayer? In verse 2, Habakkuk says this of God, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with all by your amazing works in this time of our deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. In other words, God, do it again. God, I've seen you do it before. And before you move in, before you move on my behalf, before you do it, before you answer, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to believe in you because you're going to do it again. I'm praising you, God, not even for what is going to, to happen, right? I'm praising you, God, because of who you are. And I'm praising you in Shijanoth. I'm declaring it. I'm believing it. Friends, what do you do when life gets difficult? What do you do when times are trialing at this moment as we see today? What do you do? Sometimes you, you experience the goodness of God and you, you, you're on a kind of a, of a high. You'd be like, oh, man, thank you, God. You're amazing. You did it once again. You're awesome, baby. You are incredible. You are God that answers the prayers, right? That, that is awesome. And then something happens that goes bad, that goes sour. You lose your job. You, you get bad news. You get sick or, or you pray for something that you don't get. And you don't get it. You don't get what you prayed for. You find yourself wanting something and you know God can do it. You know God can deliver it. It's easy for him and, and he doesn't. What do you do then? What happens then to us as believers? I believe you go through something that we call a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. Ever go through one of those? Where you're like, man, God, God can, God can, God can, God can. He will, he will, he will, and, and he, he, he doesn't. He's not going to. God, I thought you were going to do this, but I, I find myself feeling different today. I find myself feeling a little bit confused today. For some people, they hit this crisis of belief, and they, they think, they, man, oh, okay, I get it. I'm not... I'm just, I'm just going to pretend like it's not happening. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to deny it, right? I'm just going to deny it um, and go back to this state of, of bliss with God. But other people, other people, um, 
say, okay, God, I guess you're not real. I guess you don't exist. I'm going to forget about you. I'm going to, I'm just going to walk away from my belief. Friends, what do you do when you see with your own eyes? From, from what, what do you do when what you see with your own eyes is different than what you believe in your heart? And you find yourself struggling in the valley, in the deep ends, struggling to believe. What do you do when you, you're, you're on your behalf? that he'll bring you relief, that he'll bring your blessings, that he'll bring your provisions. And yet God doesn't. What do you do? I want to quickly talk about two things this morning that, that, that will hopefully, hopefully you can grab onto and leave here encouraged. The first thing is this we're going to need to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. In the times where we find ourselves in the valley, in the times where we find ourselves struggling, in the times of chaos, anxiety, and hopelessness, we need to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Verse 3 says this, Habakkuk, uh, he says, I see God. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran, right? His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. When you hear about these places, you may think that means nothing to me. Edom and Paran, they mean nothing to me. But these places were meaningful to Habakkuk because these were two places, Edom and Paran, where God took his people for refuge after delivering them from the Egyptian bondage. He's saying, God, I am remembering. I am recalling. I'm going back to that time when, 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 when you came through. When we thought our people were going to be in bondage forever. You came through and you answered. This is a but God moment. But God, you moved the heart of Pharaoh. But God, you split open the Red Sea. But God, you caused us to walk through on dry ground. God, you destroyed our enemies as they pursued behind us. God, I remembered when you were faithful. I think back on your goodness. God, I know that you can do it again. Verses 4, 5, and 6, Habakkuk says of God, His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light fly. Can you imagine this? Habakkuk is declaring this with a passion and exuberance from his heart. He is singing this in Shijanoff. God, his, his coming is as brilliant as a sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follows close behind him, right? Verse 6, when he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and levels the eternal hills. He is 
the eternal one. I can see Habakkuk just walking with this proudness, this vigor, this excitement about himself, declaring and remembering God's faithfulness and goodness. So what did God do? (laughs) He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. He said, God, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember your justice. I remember your presence. I remember, God, when you you were glorified through what you did. And if you read forward in verse 7 through 15, this is kind of what Habakkuk does. He's talking back about the justice and the faithfulness of God. And, And in this scripture, he is just declaring and remembering his goodness. Here's what Habakkuk could have done. He could have remembered some of the things that God had done for other people, right? He could have remembered what uh, he had done um, for uh, uh, people when he he brought down manna from heaven, when he fed fed people, uh, gave people meat from the birds, when he, 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 he got water from the rock, right? He could have remembered that and recalled that. He could have said, God, man, I remember when you shut the mouths of hungry lions to deliver Daniel and free him. God, I remember when you you freed the three Hebrew teens in the fire and they came out on the other side and they were not burned. God, I remember when you raised the dead. God, I remember when you spoke uh, to the dry bones that came to life. God, I I can remember those things that uh, people from other people's story. Sometimes when, church, when you're in the valley, you just simply have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness for you, what God has done in your life, right? Not about what he's done in everybody else's life, but what God has done in your life, what you have seen and observed and experienced for yourself. I think back sometimes and when I'm questioning God and I remember my, my BC days. Anybody remember their BC days before Christ? Come on, you remember, you remember those days before Christ when you were lost, right? Those moments when you thought, oh, life was good, and then you remember, oh, life wasn't that good. (laughs) Woo, thank you, Jesus, right? Caught up in sin. Moments where you felt afraid, anxious, hopeless. And I look back and I think about what God did back in 2001 in my life. Freshly off the plane, coming from New York City, landing in California, feeling lost, full of anxiousness, not knowing what my next move was. There was no clear picture in front of me. I didn't have a plan. What I did know was that life was not good. But I do remember that eventually God got me to church. I do remember that he changed my life forever. I do know that today my life is no longer what it used to be. And I can sit here and talk sermon after sermon of what God has done over the last 20 plus years in my life. 
and how he's taking me from glory to glory to glory to glory. And so I think back and I thank the Lord of what he's done in my life, in my life, what I've experienced on my own. And I'm grateful that I can stand here today on this platform and be a part of a church that's impacting and bringing hope to the hopelessness. That I'm standing here and being able to bring light to those surrounded in darkness, peace to those drowning in anxiety. Sometimes, church, you just got to remember the faithfulness and the goodness of God. What do you do when you find yourself in the valley? You remember the goodness of God. The second thing I want to share with you is this, and let me, let me flip it around and let me tell you what not to do. What not to do. You don't just endure while you're in the valley. You just don't sit there and take it, right? What does that mean, Pastor? What does it mean don't sit there and take it? Enduring is kind of a passive response to something that's happening to you at this moment, right? But we as believers don't just endure. We embrace and believe that God is still good. We embrace and believe that God is still good, even in the midst of the chaos. Think about Habakkuk in this situation. He felt like the enemy, the Babylonians were winning. He looked up and he recognized, man, this is bad and it's about to get a lot worse. But he embraced the situation and with everything in him, he still declared, my God is still on the throne. He looked all around and saw chaos. He looked all around and saw darkness. He looked all around and saw anxiety. He looked all around and there was hopelessness. But he stood his ground and he embraced the fact on the throne. My God has always been good. My God is always faithful. My God will always come through. And what I love about this is that this is not some sort of state of denial. This isn't just a, a pretend like it's not true, like it's not happening, right? This is looking the bad news dead in its face. Frankie, I, Sal, whoever it is, I still trust God with everything that is in me. I will continue to hold on to his every word. I will still continue to hold on to his promises. I will continue to hold on to his goodness. Watch how Habakkuk does this in verse 16. He says to God, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave way beneath me and I shook in terror, right? I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. <laughs> did, you, did you see what just happened here? That moment he was wondering when God was going to step in, and then God, he's waiting for God to do it. And then God says, oh, I'm not going to step in. This is actually what's going to happen. They're going to come in. They're going to destroy you. He said, oh, no. Mm -hmm. 
right? I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to say how it's going. I'm going to believe what you're going to do, God. You will strike the people who invade us. He says, it's bad, it's going to get worse, it's going to be brutal, but, and there's going to be a, a, a lot of suffering. And then he says in verse 17, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields are, are lie empty and barren, this is, this is, this is like, this is, this is nothing's going on right here. There is no life, right? Things are just, right, they're going down quickly. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. This is like a, a the book of Eli moment. Right? That movie, he's just looking around. Ain't, no, ain't nothing going on here. Not even the rent. Right? This is this is this is grim. In other words, though I am still praying, God, though I am not seeing an answer, though we still, we're still believing that we, can't, we can conceive even though we, we, we haven't conceived yet, right? Though I'm still asking God for that job, for that provision, for that blessing, for that healing, for that answer, and I still have not seen it. Though we lost something so valuable to us that we don't understand, we can't comprehend it, right? I might say it this way, though, Lord, I've cried my eyes out and I'm praying for everything uh, in me that you would intervene, that you would step into the situation that I'm going through at this very moment, and I have not seen you do it just yet. Habakkuk says this in verse 18, even though I have not seen it yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Though the world around me may be, may be crumbling, though the news on the TV and on the radio and online, it is grim. There's not one ounce of hope that they're spitting out. Though I cannot find toilet paper <laughs> in the store. I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to be joyful in my God and in my salvation. Friends, there are dozens of reasons why I might not want to rejoice, but this isn't a half-hearted song to God. This is Shijanoff, right? This is a full body, full soul, everything within me, declaring the praise and the goodness and the glory of God. Even though I do not see what I want to see, I need to praise him. I need to recall his goodness. I need to embrace the situation and say, but God is still seated on the throne. And because he is seated on the throne, I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to be glad in it. And I'm going to celebrate that. You see what's happening here? Habakkuk is embracing. He's, he's wrestling and he's embracing. This isn't a half-hearted, partial declaration of God. This comes from the very depths of his soul. This is faith that worships with everything when everything is not right. This is a faith that gives God praise when you don't like what you see. 
Can we, the church, give God praise when we don't like what we see, when we don't approve of what's going on in our world, when we don't, we, 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 we just find it disgusting that things are happening the way they're happening right now. Can we praise God in those situations? This is a cry from the depths of our hearts believing the goodness of God in the middle of pain. This is chapter 3, Shijinoff. This is praise before the provision. This is praise with exclamation points. Not for the what, but for the who. Can you praise God for who he is? Can you praise him? In this season, church, we need to wrestle and embrace. Wrestle and embrace. Some of you, uh, you're going to praise before the provision. You're going to praise with Shijanoff, with everything in you, and that is incredible. You're praising God at this moment for who he is and what he's done. Listen, if he doesn't change the circumstances, Right? Even if he doesn't change the circumstances, guess what he does? He changes your perspective. When we, he hasn't answered, right? When we worship God through this, he, he changes, excuse me, that's my, my kids calling me. That's the last time I give him Alexa, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. Even if he doesn't change the circumstances, he changes your perspective. You're now on a different level. You're now on a different platform, and you no longer see you no longer see things differently. Habakkuk doesn't resolve to make the most of a bad situation. So much deeper than that. What he does is that he looks truth in the face. And he says, man, this isn't good. He says, this, this is going to get worse. There, there's no grapes coming, right? There's no grapes coming. There's no blossoms coming. There's only judgment coming, right? But he says, the Lord is still on the throne. He is still worthy of praise. I'm going to wrap this up, church. Here's what I want you to take notice of. This is super important because this is, this, is, this is that moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for. God never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. This is where the story ends. This is not one of those Hallmark Christmas love stories messages. God never does what Habakkuk is asking of him. There's never the, okay, now it's all better ending. This never happens. But I want you to see the very last verse. The very last verse of this chapter. What do you do when you're waiting? Verse 19 says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread upon the heights. So what does God do? He enables us to tread on the heights. 
He takes us to a more intimate place, to a place of greater faith. He takes us to a new place. When we are asking God to do something and we are praising him before he answers, God begins to take us to this new level. And here's what I know and what I've experienced. I know that I enjoy God on the mountaintops. Right? When we're at the very peak, experiencing God, like God, oof, God, you're amazing. That's incredible. That's incredible. So I get to experience God, enjoy God at the very highest of mountains, but I get to know God in the valleys. You see the difference? I love to praise him for the what, but in the valleys, I simply praise him for who he is. I like to brag on him on the mountaintops, but I get to know him intimately in the valleys. We have those moments where like, God, you're awesome, that that Titanic moment. Yes, Lord, you're good, you're amazing, incredible. Thank you. We get to experience the joy of that, but it is in the valley in the times of chaos, in the times of needs, in the times of trials and tribulations, that is when we get to know God. And when you start to have this perspective on God, you kind of do like like what James was saying in James chapter 1. He said, I consider it pure joy whenever I don't understand, whenever I face trials of many kinds, Because I know that these trials, these hardships, they do something for me. They do something in me. They develop perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So yes, church, we are going through some stuff. Not just us. Everyone in this world is going and experiencing some things. And I want to encourage you this morning and let you know that I believe, church, that it's time to praise God even when you don't see it. I believe it's time to praise God even when you don't feel it. I believe it's time to praise God and to cry out to him, not just for what you see, or what you don't see, but for who he is. And we need to do it on Shijanov. From everything inside of us, declaring it, believing it, trusting in it. Church, I need you to leave here knowing that you cannot have that chapter three type of intimacy that Habakkuk experienced without going through chapter one of wondering and chapter two of waiting. I believe with all my heart, God's going to do some incredible things in this season. But I also believe the church of God needs to worship him and not stop worshiping him. I believe the 
People of God need to pray and continue to pray and not get caught up in the chaos and the uncertainty, but stand your ground and declare it at the top of your lungs, my God is still on the throne. And if you find yourselves in those, those patchy moments, in those moments where the floor is, is shifting and shaking underneath you, figuratively, of course, it is at those moments where you need to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God so that you can get to that moment where you embrace the situation. Say, my God is still on the throne. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we bless